Welcome to Shoot the Hostage, I am Dan. And I'm Sarah, and we're a movie show that covers eight films each season, tied together by a central theme. This season, the theme is folklore. We cover everything from explosive action to spine-tingling horror and everything in between. And as a heads up, we don't hold back on coarse language or specific plot details, so listener discretion is advised. This podcast is brought to you by our amazing patrons, without whom the show would not be possible. If you'd like to help out and access all of our bonus content, including new reviews and rap shows, all the relevant links will be in the show notes. And if you're not a Patreon person, but you would still like to help out, you could rate and review us on your podcast player of choice tell a friend and get them to rate and review us as well or come follow us and interact with us on social media mostly instagram x threads tiktok all at sch underscore pod without further delay here's this week's episode we hope you enjoy it and stick around Okay, so last week we weren't sure if this movie was released in 1964 or 1968, I think we said, at the end of the last episode. Yeah. Um, we know, I know now, it's 1964. Which one of us said what? I said 64. I thought I said 64. You said 68. <laughs> and we said, oh, fuck it, it's probably somewhere in the middle. But yeah, I, know, I mean, you can go back and listen to that episode if you like. I mean, I'll take your word for it. I'm frequently wrong, so... Well, it's not like I can lie, is it? It's recorded. It's going to be going out. (laughs) Yeah, but you're the one who edits it. You could could utilise AI (laughs) to pull one over on me. So I need to employ an AI machine. I need to get it to fake your voice. Yep. And get you... I only really need it to say the number four, don't I? Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, Onibaba, black and white Japanese cinema, and it's the second subtitled movie that we're covering this season, I think. We like to get yeah one or two in there if we can, don't mm-hmm. we? Expand our horizons, as it were. Yeah, exactly. Japanese cinema is not something that I'm super familiar with. In fact, I think I, I've only seen, I can count on one hand, the amount of Japanese movies that I've seen. Well, you were trying to come up with a list of Japanese movies that you'd seen the other day, and you, you said two of them. And I know for a fact we've seen like at least four together. Right. So, well, we we've seen more together in the last three years than yeah. I had seen in my entire thirty-seven <laughs> years prior to that. That's crazy. What I had seen was um, Love Exposure, Tampopo, Battle Royale. But recently we've watched Crow Zero, Story of Ricky. Yeah. Uh, Ringu. Ring. We watched Ring, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Ringu. Is that the Pingu crossover? <laughs> no. It's called, it's called Ringu. Oh, is it? Is it in Japan? I always because I've heard the term Ringu, and I always thought it was you know there's funny. Like, I know Thingu. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, that, <laughs> I thought that Ringu was a Pingu version it's, of Ring. It's not a Lee Hardcastle animation. No, that's a shame. <laughs> yeah, we recently watched that. Uh, so I, I I'm not massively familiar with Japanese cinema there's a bunch of stuff that I would like to see or there's a few things I would like to see particularly mm-hmm. movies by Akira Kurosawa Seven Samurai is probably top of my list uh, his movie and movies and Throne of Blood because it's got a, a cool title <laughs> it sounds very metal it does sound very metal yeah <laughs> but the director of this movie Kanito Shinodo he also uh, has directed a movie called Koroniko okay and, I'm not familiar with that one. Well, I was on Amazon Prime today re-watching Onibaba for the second time just to prepare for the show. Because, again, I said last week I was a bit intimidated by this one. We both were. 
because it was a first time watch for both of us and it's spoken of so highly amongst people who know what they're talking about that I felt like it was a massive gap in our film knowledge. It it seems to be one that's covered a lot, talked about a lot, certainly influenced a lot of movies and pop culture since 1964. It's very highly regarded. Yes, I I think, um, as I said, I was a bit intimidated by it, so I wanted to rewatch it and kind of do a bit more research into the, the not so much the folklore but just some of the filmmaking and enjoy that sweet jazz in the intro again yeah but luckily that doesn't that doesn't come up again the jazz it's just on the <laughs> intro but but yeah when, when i was re-watching it today on amazon prime it popped up would you also like to watch kuroniko and that is described by amazon as a companion piece to onibaba oh okay yeah interesting um, the there was a very brief description of it and a description have you heard of this seen this no okay so the description might interest you because it says a murdered mother and daughter return from the dead as vampiric cat spirits intent on revenge holy shit that sounds so far up my alley how have you not seen it vampires cats it does tick a lot of boxes yeah yeah given that it's a folklore season and it's a folklore movie do you know anything about the the parables that this is based on no Cool. Let's move on then. <laughs> no. Um, well, I know that the director was inspired by a Buddhist parable and that from my limited research, the parable does seem fairly in keeping with the film to cut a long story. Well, to cut a short story even shorter, it was about a woman who was sort of driven to jealousy and wore a mask and it kind of got adhered to her face. And when she tried to remove the mask, it removed a layer of skin. And uh, yeah. yeah, what that's, that's pretty much what I found out as well. And I guess with the folklore stuff, things get changed, as we've said before. Yeah, as the uh, stories passed from person to person. Yeah, yeah. Crew-wise, we've got writer-director Kanito Shindo directed a bunch of stuff. Again, not familiar with anything that he's done at all. In fact, I don't think I really heard of Onibaba until we started researching for this podcast, which I know is... I'm, I'm going to be honest and own up to the fact that like the, the image of the Hanya mask has been very familiar to me, but I didn't associate it with any specific film. Hmm. And it wasn't until I watched, I think it was a YouTube video that was like 10 films that scared Mark come out. <laughs> um, and it was on there and I was like, holy shit, I really should fix this. I really should watch this movie. Yeah. But yeah, the director was super prolific, wasn't he? I mean, I guess so. I, honestly, I've never heard that name before. I and, hadn't, no. And as I said, very, very new to the, the film of Onibaba. Mm. So I'm just, you know, supremely uneducated, as I said, in Japanese cinema. But that's the beauty of this podcast is that we're going to be watching films that maybe we hadn't thought yeah. about watching before. It's a learning process for us too. Yeah, exactly. Um, cast, Nobuku Ottawa as woman, Jitsuki Yoshimura as young woman, Kai Sato as Hachi. Fuck Hachi. Fuck, <laughs> Fuck Hachi. <laughs> Fuck that guy. He's just doing what he needs to survive. Fuck that guy. We'll get into it. Jukichi <laughs> Uno as the samurai and Taji Toniyama as Ushi. Okay. It's like the dealer guy that they go to, yeah. who they sell their shit to. So, Onibaba, the title. I, I've got to, I have to say something because go this on. has been rattling around my head. We watched this on Sunday. It's now Thursday. All week, my brain has been repeating that like the Babadook. For the last four days, my brain's just been going, Onibaba. Okay. <laughs> and it's doing my head in. So I need to purge that. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully you can purge it here. Do it as many times <laughs> as you like. Okay. Onibaba. There's a translation for this word. Do you know what the translation is? I mean, the translation's literally like demon hag, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Demon hag. So I guess that's in reference to the 
old hag that's uh, 39 look, years old. I have so many fucking issues with this. When I found out the actress was a year younger than me when she played the old hag, in yeah. quotes, I have beef with this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, on the other hand, it is a movie that's set in feudal Japan. How long did people live then? Forty was ripe old age, really, wasn't it? With, with no penicillin, yeah. Or everybody brain would have died of a tooth infection at twenty-five. Yeah, exactly. This film also titled "The Hole." It's funny. I had a thought when we were watching this, and I did some reading, and I was like, "Onibaba literally means demon hag." Okay, so is that a spoiler for Japanese audiences? In the same way that, like, how do Norwegian audiences feel about the opening of the thing? Mm. Like, is that just a massive spoiler or do they find a way around that? But then I realized the alternative name was just The Hole. Yeah. And I believe that's what it was released as in Japan. Okay. So, so that's my answer. I mean, obviously we would confuse that over here with, is it Joe Dante's The Hole? There's Joe Dante's The Hole. And then there's that other one with Thora Birch and Kira Knightley. That's another The Hole, isn't it? horrible, horrible Lawrence Fox. Wasn't he in that? Was he? Maybe he was. Lawrence Fox was in that. Did they oh. put him in a hole and nail it shut forever? <laughs> no, that was my dream last night. That was wish fulfillment. Is he an actor? Because um, I thought he was just a In the loosest definition. He's both. You can be both. They're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> well, this is true. This is very, very true. Oh, my God. I just, I see him talk and I think he's probably got no talent whatsoever. Oh, I mean... Certainly no brain cells. Yeah. Just because he's an actor doesn't mean he's a talented actor. No, true. Um... Yeah, Lawrence Fox put him in a hole and then buried a hole. Find a way to bury holes and then bury him in that hole and put him in another hole. Like endless supply Infinity of holes. Infinity hole. Infinity hole. Lawrence Fox, thousand years in the hole. One thousand years dungeon. Yeah, fuck off, Lawrence Fox. If you listen to this, we hate you, you cunt. And if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with who Lawrence Fox is, consider yourself lucky. Don't Google it. Yeah, you might be going, oh, they're being a bit coarse with their language. Or, oh, no, no. Uh, let me correct that. Dan is being a bit liberal <laughs> with the C word here, but just if you're We're not familiar back. with him, Google him and then you'll come back and go, yeah, that's justified actually. What a prick. What a fucking prick. Anyway, why are we talking about Lawrence Fox? Because he should go in a hole. I'm sorry. That's why. So yeah, we've mentioned a hole, so let's go from there then, because mm-hmm. it, it's, it opens with the hole, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if you will. It does. And we, so we get an image of the hole, title card, the hole, mm-hmm. and then you sort of see the grass that's shaking around and you see these two soldiers that are, uh, we assume that they fleed the war. Fleed? They f- fled? <laughs> what, <laughs> they flee or fled? F- they fleeded. Um, they runned away from the war. Um, I, I don't know. Were they deserters? We don't know, do I, we? We don't know. And first time watching it, obviously, you're not sure who everyone is, what their motivations are. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking, okay, there's this guy who's who's dragging along this severely injured other, other guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, the guy that's very, that's, the guy that looks less dead, is, <laughs> <laughs> he's probably the main character. Right. And as you're sort of walking through the grass, you see this spear come mm-hmm. through the grass. I and can't remember him. what the weapon's called. There okay. was a name for it that I read about 10 minutes ago and immediately forgot (laughs) we'll say sharp stick okay um a blade emerges from grass Uh and shanks him and he dies and then they kill uh the other guy is also killed at the same time and Mm -hmm. then what's revealed is that it's these two women it's woman and young woman they're nameless yeah and they drag these two bodies to a hole they strip before they drop them in a hole they strip off their armor Mm mm-hmm Take all the valuables. clothing, yeah, taking all the valuables. And what we find out is that they're dumping soldiers and, and 
I guess just soldiers. It seems to be soldiers throughout the film because they do it a few times into the hole and then selling their equipment for food because when the war started, all the men left and the women didn't have any way to survive. They described a storm mm-hmm. in seasons past that froze the land and they were unable to produce crops and they don't hunt. They don't. They, they don't go fishing or anything. Um, Very so th- literally desperate times, man. Yeah, which is interesting because it it does. Um, these characters, I feel like all of them are are sympathetic. Do you? Uh, yeah. I mean, you said fuck Harchie earlier. <laughs> I don't like Harchie. <laughs> I agree. He's not a very nice bloke, but I do feel like with everyone in their story, it's kind of victim of circumstance there's this war going on it says that they were pulled away Harchi and woman's son mm-hmm. and he obviously when he comes back he describes having murdered a priest and he speared someone in the back while i was taking a dump so <laughs> the killings that the kills that he describes don't seem like exactly noble killings They're not honorable no not honorable that's the word yeah or like in the heat of battle yeah it seemed more opportunistic so i He's the least sympathetic out of the lot of them. Yes. But then still I do see these these kind of, um, I don't know, in some way I can understand some of his decisions because he's trying to survive and get home. I mean, survival is basically their only objective for, for most of their time, yeah. right? And I guess you just don't know what you'd do unless you're in that sort of extreme circumstance. Yeah. I, I think I would live near a hole though and would you? kill soldiers yeah. when they come back. No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Um, is that because you, you've got a blueprint for it now? Yeah. <laughs> the idea has been planted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think, I don't know. I, I say sympathetic, but I think they're they're sympathetic up to a point. Because yeah. we're introduced to these two women, as we said, that they're dumping the, their bodies in a hole. And then Harchie arrives. In a, it's quite early, actually. It's early than I thought it was. And he says, he describes the killing kills that he's made, but also that he was off to war with woman's son and that, uh, Obviously, she's asking him, where's her son? And he says, oh, he, he died in the battle. Or No, they he died fleeing from the battle. Yeah, they were separated at some point. They were hiding then, in the mud. Yeah. And then farmers came and, and attacked them both, mm-hmm. killed the son. He managed to get away. But you're never sure if that's true or not. I mean, I would say take anything that anybody says in this film with a pinch of salt. Because I know, I, I mean, the, the nature of your primary objective being survival is that you are going to be pretty self-serving. Yeah. I think you have to be. Yeah. And all the characters are in this ultimately, like you say, it's just about survival. So it's, yeah, anything anyone says, take with a pinch of salt in this movie. And it's interesting because it's, you can, it's all of it sort of plays into the experience of the film for me, because you're not sure if anyone's telling the truth, Mm -hmm. but then also, it doesn't really matter if they're telling the truth or not. It's a parable. Yeah. Yeah. The reason why I said I think they're sympathetic up to a point is because when Harchie comes back and he starts fishing, he gives them a fish. Yeah. But um, is that sort of, here's some food, please can I have sex with you now? Maybe. It could be some kind of bartering system. <laughs> um, but he when he gives them the food, so they've got the fish now. Mm-hmm. They've already killed a lot of people. Harchie obviously knows how to fish, so he's back. You you could argue that maybe they might be able to get by now and they don't probably might not need to murder anymore. Yeah. But when the opportunity arises and two soldiers fighting come over, they murder them. So I feel like at that that's the point where I kind of think, okay, this is no longer survival. This is 
you just grown accustomed to a certain not a certain way of living but a certain mode of survival yeah and they're just kind of acting in the way that they've been acting previous to that it, it's strange you can't switch isn't it, it off. yeah i mean it's really difficult to watch films like this that are effectively a period piece and try to put yourself in their shoes because they're basically acting on their baser instincts they're for want of a better word primal and we are so far removed from that in our cushy modern world like whether or not we can afford to put the heating on thanks to the tories um that's kind of beside the point but like we're so comfortable we're so set in our ways and it's really hard to imagine having to survive like that day to day. Yeah, even just we mentioned the age earlier, 40 was probably quite old back then. Yeah, now it's, geriatric. It's still young by modern society standards. And um, yeah, it's very, it's very, very different. But at the same time, the kind of themes of this film, I think, are still apply now. Obviously, because it's about survival, I do think you can extrapolate this story and, and set it in a modern setting yeah absolutely and despite a lot of stylistic choices it's actually quite um it hasn't aged that much um like themes aside visually i think it looks reasonably modern yeah i would agree with that in the sense that someone like robert eggers yeah. might have made this movie today yeah i could see that i could see that maybe he put it as a b-side on the lighthouse dvd <laughs> or something but um, yeah, and it looks—it does look nice. I, I, I'm assuming we watched it on Prime, and it was—it was part of the Criterion Collection, I believe. Mm -hmm. So obviously they've done a good restoration job yeah. on that. I'm assuming, but it looks really nice and really it crisp. Did, yeah, the black and white—it shot beautifully for a 60-year-old film. Yeah, and, and there's some day for night stuff as well in there, which re obviously reminded me of when we covered Nope and we spoke about the day mm. for night stuff in there and how they sort of utilize modern technology to do it a, a different way to the, the way it's been done before but obviously here 60 years ago um yeah it's kind of it's kind of interesting how they got it to look as good as it did i was wondering actually if the if the choice to put it out in black and white was because of the day for night stuff to kind of conceal some of that did we have color in 64 yeah oh okay i think the first color movies were like oh god i'm gonna embarrass myself now i want to say like 1939 maybe Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I did not know that. So I think it... Look, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe maybe they weren't commonplace in the mid-60s, but I feel like it would have been a choice. Yeah. I it, don't know. Well, it, definitely, it, it definitely works, regardless of yeah. whether or not it was a, a, a choice to do that or whether it was just that was the technology at the time. It definitely... It, I don't think it would be... I think it would lose something if it was in colour today. Yeah, I do. It, it does add to the the parabolicness of it, the old like the, <laughs> the old starkness feudal of the, the starkness of it. Yeah, story and the the themes as well. Yeah, it does work. So obviously, we know this was directed by a male filmmaker. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to get your perspective on this. Did you feel like the way the women were filmed changed once Hachi appeared, because they were sort of filmed in kind of a neutral way? And then Harchie appears and we then get like that sort of very male gaze oriented butt shot right? as the younger woman's walking away and stuff like that. I, I was just curious to know whether you'd noticed that. I didn't. I didn't notice that on either viewing, I must admit. Okay. However, it would do because that's, that's they're showing what the character is looking at. The mm -hmm. character's arrived and he 
is leering at the the younger woman specifically. And I don't remember there being any nudity until he appears as a character either. Okay. Because I... there is quite a bit, even when the two women are just together, like sleeping alone. Yeah. And then the older woman's pictured with just one tit hanging out, which was a look, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Why not? But I don't remember seeing any nudity. Um, and I think the, the, the reasoning behind that is quite interesting or could be quite interesting. Obviously conjecture on my part, but there was no, as far as I remember, nudity between the two women when they were alone. But then when Harchie appears, they're sort of naked around each other. Right. And it's sort of as if they've remembered that they have sexual urges and they're like feeling their oats, as the kids would say. Right. Know. Okay. Um, yeah, one of my notes just says boobs. So <laughs> I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, <laughs> I'm always happy to talk about boobs. You know that. I didn't notice that there wasn't any nudity before Hachi arrived and that nudity happened once he arrived. It was like they were going through the motions. Like we said, they were just trying to survive day mm. to day. And then he appears. Obviously, there's that period of grief when they learn that the older woman's son and the young woman's husband has passed away, supposedly. And then there's that short period after that where they're both kind of grieving in their own specific ways. And then after that, it's like they've remembered that they have sexual urges, mm. um, which obviously leads to some sort of weird, I don't even want to call it a love triangle, but some some weirdness and a lot of jealousy. Yeah. Because um... effectively, this is kind of a melodrama, isn't it? I know it's often called a horror film. It's certainly, at this point in the story, it's certainly a drama. Yeah, that's fair. The old woman... She she kind of appears jealous. I'm not again. I'm not sure of anyone's motivations or, um, yeah. Maybe maybe she's maybe she's jealous of of the the younger woman. I think be, her, being desirable. I or... think her reasoning's like twofold. Obviously, she's she's concerned that Harchie and the younger woman are gonna, I don't know, get married, shack up, and she'll be left in the dust, and she won't be able to survive without either of them because she's getting a little bit older maybe she's not as fit as she used to be mm. not as physically capable um and she's concerned that she won't make it on her own she won't survive but that if she can tempt him and if you know they could keep a man around then their survival is set in stone yeah maybe not guaranteed but certainly a lot more likely yeah better chances so I think it's twofold, but I think she is also jealous of the younger woman. Yeah. She wants what she's got. Okay. She she wants to feel desirable again. I mean, why would you? Why why wouldn't you rather? Mm. Like, especially she's only 40. <laughs> mm. She's a spring chicken. Yeah. Even with those horrendous old man eyebrows. They really did her dirty. Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, Elsa Lanchester streak in the hair as well. The gray the gray stuff in her yeah. hair. Yeah. Is that how does that happen? I didn't know that like just an isolated grey bit of hair can grow. Is it's, that it's unlikely. I think it happens when you're um an X Man called Rogue. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but otherwise, no idea. Yeah. Do you know much about the historical period that served as a, as the backdrop? Uh no, nothing at all. I know it was a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a a fair while ago. I don't know a huge amount. I know it was um it was set in the mid 15th century. Oh, oh okay. Confirmed. Yeah, apparently. Oh, okay. Um which was look, this is I'm I'm reading from notes that I made. Obviously, you've mentioned already feudal Japan. I read somewhere around the outbreak of the Onin War and after the Battle of Minatagawa. 
I'm so sorry if I'm butchering any any of these pronunciations. Yeah, I've, I've fucked a load of pronunciations yeah. already earlier. So let's it, just assume it's, it's blanket <laughs> apologies all around on this episode. Yes, it's not our strong suit, but we're always happy to be corrected. So please do leave a comment or come and find us on social media and tell us off. I'm not that happy about being corrected. <laughs> well, I am. Correct me. <laughs> I want to know. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know a great deal about the, uh, the time period, I'll be honest. And... Anything that's sort of even loosely described as a period drama is such an immediate turnoff for me, generally speaking. But I found this quite compelling. Yeah, I did. Like like you, there's a few barriers. I mean, if you'd have told me 20 years ago I'd be watching a, a black and white Japanese movie made in 1964. <laughs> would, that opens with jazz. That opens with jazz. <laughs> I'd have said you're crazy. But um, Where the fourth main character is grass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And the fifth is some wind blowing yeah. the grass. But yeah, I found this really compelling as well. I didn't really know where it was going. I was kind of trying to figure out, oh, we'll get to the end. But when it got to the end, I thought, oh no, I'm really going to have to think about this, aren't I? But And I and I thought about it, but it, I think what I was, the thoughts I was having during watching it kind of still stand on what I, I thought the, the themes were. And Yeah, I think, I think the tendency to overthink it was pretty strong with this one. Yeah. I think it's um, it's not necessarily as complicated as it might appear. It's, yeah. it's quite a straightforward film, I think, anyway. It's straightforward, but complex. The complexities lie in the grey areas. It lies in the human nature of, mm-hmm. you know, survival first, survival of the fittest, yeah. fighting, war, and all of that stuff. So I think it's, yeah, very, couldn't be simpler, the story. Mm-hmm. Almost a two-hander. Um, for some, for parts of it, it's a two-hander. Obviously, you've got that third character in there, but there are long stretches where it's just those two women. I did read somewhere that the director was very anti-war. Yeah. Um, so that was definitely his kind of driving force in terms of themes, I believe. Yeah. Um, Shindo hated samurai particularly, and like Shinto imperialism. So he was very, very um, set on having that be a central proponent to the film. Yeah. I. I I thought that that might it, the point of view of this movie might be war is bad. Yeah. <laughs> because look at the consequences of two quarrelling emperors who mm-hmm. just had a bit of a disagreement, but they're sending people to their death to fight each other's cause. Yeah, it's not subtle, but it works. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In terms of themes, what else did you get out of it? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> Big holes. Big holes. Okay. Yeah. Well, they. What do you think the big holes signified or symbolised? Uh, banging. <laughs> <laughs> that was it? Maybe that was the um, primarily drum-based score. Yeah, I enjoyed that very much. Underscored actually. by literal banging. Yeah, I don't know. I think big hole. The big hole means it's. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've, <laughs> no idea. What does it mean? Um. Well, I don't know for sure, but a theory that I had after we got done watching it was the whole is so central to the story. I mean, it was literally the alternative title in Japan. Yeah. So it kind of, it's central to the story in that it sort of serves as almost like a tomb. And it is the beginning of the older woman's unraveling, effectively. So it's really, really important to the story. But also in terms of like visually, um, it's a whole, not to get... Um, crass but it's quite a yonic image Um, and by contrast like a dichotomous sort of image is after the the older woman is I think it's after she's been spurned by Harchie 
and she's seen that he's getting with the younger woman, her daughter-in-law, and she kind of runs away and almost like humps a tree. Do you remember that? No. You don't remember no. the tree humping? I've watched Holy this shit. twice. She's like caressing the tree and like wrapping her leg around it. Okay. Um, and obviously the tree being a very, very phallic image. Right. Yeah, I didn't notice any of this stuff. Not to mention towards the end of the film, when they're running through the uh, the reeds or the grass or whatever, um, the two women are separated and run either side of the tree. Right. So literally separated by dick. Okay. Literally and physically, uh, figuratively rather. Right. Yeah, that's way too in-depth for, for my brain. I would never have <laughs> picked up that in a million years. I, it was something that I sat with for a little while and I tried to make it work and that's what I came up with. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> I, I kind of... T- I thought about this a fair amount. There's loads that I've missed, obviously. And I, I probably will watch it again. I'd be quite happy to watch this again, actually. But what I have thought about, I think there's... You can probably pick any layer that you want in this film and it, kind of explore it. And mm. there's lots to it. There's That's a lot of loose of, threads that you can pick at. Yeah. And not necessarily that any one of those are set in stone or correct but I just feel like it's something that you can explore and uncover and there's just loads of ways to take what you're seeing on screen. Yeah. I think something else that sort of jumped out at me was, I guess, the way in which that humans sort of discard our elders. Um, Once they're seen as being no longer useful, we kind of cast them aside. We put them in old people's homes. You know, we make them retire. Yeah. They're not allowed to drive anymore. In reference to to the older woman. Yeah. Like yeah. she's she's less capable. She's sort of her her fear is that she's being cast aside because the two younger people are kind of going to run off together and she'll be on her own and she'll be left to die. Yeah, you can you can see that fear being reasonable because I I think from Harchie's point of view, he probably does see that there's no value in her because yeah. she kind of off she offers herself to him uh, and he's quite in, cruel in the way that he rebuffs her. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But it just it reminded me of, um, it's not really a film, but there's a George Romero film, in inverted quotes, called The Amusement Park. And so I don't know if this is apocryphal or not. Apparently he was commissioned to make it as like an educational thing, but it was deemed too depressing and too terrifying. And it was basically all about how the elders in our society are overlooked mm. and stamp, stamped on, like... It's it's so depressing. Like I cried. Okay. <laughs> it's only about an hour long. Um, it's worth watching. Yeah. But it definitely sort of reminded this this reminded me of that. Should I say? So we haven't even talked. We haven't even touched on the uh, the climax of the film, in which the very famous image of the Hanya mask is revealed. Yeah. So basically, the older woman, her worst fears are realised. She's in the shack alone and a samurai invades and demands that she lead him towards is it kyoto yes i believe yeah but obviously she's a crafty she's a crafty little one well she's scared she thinks that the samurai is going to kill her right and he's also wearing that hanya mask as you say and says i'm not a demon yeah but then i I was (laughs) thinking that's exactly what a demon would say that's what i did Yeah, lead me out of the grass because look, I'm fucking lost here. Mm -hmm. Again, that kind of works. Lost in nature, lost in the grass. You've got to be familiar with your surroundings and know how to know how to survive. But trust me, under the mask, I'm dead fit. Yeah, (laughs) she's like, take off your mask if you're not a demon. He's like, I can't because I'm, I, I'm too sexy. Awesome. Yeah, (laughs) I am too sexy for this mask. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, Han- Hanya Mask. It, it's uh, it's from Japanese No Theatre. I it found out. It is. In my yes. Yeah, that was that was interesting. It, it represents a jealous female demon, apparently. Yeah, so I read a bit about them. Apparently there's like three different stages and they're signified by three different colours. Something interesting that I stumbled on is apparently they're designed in such a way that when they're lit differently or positioned differently, they're supposed to sort of highlight different expressions. Right. So kind of straight on, they're fucking terrifying. When you look down a bit, they're still fucking terrifying, but also a bit sad. Okay. And they look up, they look happier, but still fucking terrifying. Um and I thought that was really, really interesting and not something that I'd necessarily noticed while we were watching the film. No. Because I, I, I was too distracted by the it's fucking terrifying <laughs> at all times. I was distracted by, because I was looking in the mouth and seeing how the tongue mm. was moving and stuff, because I was trying to figure out, is he a demon or is he not oh, a demon? okay. So I was trying to figure out, I guess, more of the, the logistics of the mask <laughs> and how it um, adhered to the face. I think when the mask guy came in is when i really started to think about the uh the idea in this movie of becoming the thing that you're pretending to be okay and the, the women they're trying to survive this time by killing because they have to to survive mm-hmm. but then when the time comes that they don't necessarily need to do that they're already kind of set in their ways so you're becoming the mask okay that's kind of how i and obviously there's a very literal interpretation of that at the end of the movie when the older woman puts on a mask. So like by acting monstrously, they've become the monsters. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I was thinking when I was watching it. Um, that makes sense. And I was thinking about that when I mentioned earlier that despite probably getting to a point where they don't need to kill anymore, they still do it because that's just who they are now. They've, they've mm. kind of adapted to a certain way of living and they've explained it away, justified all of the killings, the murders, the stealing. And now that's just who they are. And I thought that was very interesting because, you know, that's... I didn't it's choose not... the bodies in a whole life. The bodies in a whole life chose me. Yeah. It's not who I am underneath, <laughs> but what I do that defines me. <laughs> Batman said it. Any excuse. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I think when uh, Samurai Dude in said Demon Mask turns up, that's when it really kind of clicked into place for me or, or in terms of how I was viewing it. Okay. I, was up, I was unsure what I was watching up to that point. And then that's when my interpretation started clicking into place, I think. And it's the last 20 minutes of the movie, maybe. It's certainly the last act of the movie is when the samurai turns up. Yeah. That's when we get the, the actual horror elements of the film. Yeah. But uh, because the, the woman is terrified, she thinks, oh, this is a, a demon. Obviously, we've already mentioned that he's trying to reassure her that he's not. And she leads him to the hole. Mm-hmm. She jumps over the hole. Yep. He falls in a hole. Not a great samurai, is he? <laughs> I don't know. Was there, was there no hole jumping training in that samurai school? He was sick that day. Well, yeah, he must have been. He was too pretty for that day. <laughs> yeah. He was too handsome for training. Yeah. I can't possibly go outside training. <laughs> um, yeah, so he falls in a hole. She later on goes down into the hole to take his clothes and his mask and stuff. And she's really yanking on the mask to try and get it off him. Mm. And... Um, yeah, she she does. She peels it off of his face, but it turns out he's not as good looking as he promised. And um, yeah, she kind of takes that opportunity and, and starts to use the mask to scare the younger woman. Yeah. Because she's talking about sex being a sin and kind of weaponizing that kind of ideology to, to suit her own. Hypocrisy, you mean? Yeah, it's almost, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like like you said, the word opportunity is absolutely spot on. She's she sees an opportunity in this mm. mask and yeah. kind of creates 
this iconic image <laughs> which might haunt my dreams forever. When she steps out of the grass with her yeah. hands either side. Terrifying. I, yeah, and that was, again, beautifully shot when she mm. steps out of the grass. But then also when she steps back into the grass, yeah. as well, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I don't know, that made me think of um, that gif of Homer Simpson backing into the hedge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Which undercut some of the terrifying aspects. (laughs) Did you think that at the time, did you? Um, Yeah, no, that looked beautiful. But it's interesting because she's obviously trying to scare the younger woman. I feel super weird just calling them women and But they don't have names. I know. Just makes us sound like we're being really disrespectful. Yeah. We've forgotten. But yeah, she's trying to scare the young woman away from having sex with Harchie because... She doesn't want that, as we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. For pick a reason, basically. Could be any number of things. Yeah. Jealousy. Jealousy. Fear. Your husband's corpse isn't even cold yet. Yeah, resentment. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, resentment. Lack of loyalty. All sorts. But ultimately, I think, picking up on something you said earlier, I think for me, the older woman's motives are mostly survival-based. Mostly, if her son's not coming back, and if the younger woman leaves, she's going to be on her own. Mm-hmm. So I think that she's mostly just trying to stop her from hooking up with Harchi because she knows that she's going to probably leave with him. If Harchi doesn't see value in the older woman, he's probably going to convince the younger woman of the same in old woman's eyes, demon hag's eyes. I think Harchi has very little value. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that one scene where he's frolicking joyously through the grass what was that about it was such a strange addition yeah and i enjoyed most of this film but there were certain scenes where i was just like what what who wrote this what's going on really what was his direction okay (laughs) in this moment particularly what was his direction yeah but then i guess that all adds to the overall kind of strangeness i'm sure that we could probably think about it and and justify it if we wanted to yeah Um, maybe he was just overjoyed that he'd got his end away yeah, well, he he was literally that because he at one point after they bang in the rain towards the end of the movie, he does say, "Oh, I've got a clear head now." <laughs> We've got such a poetic way with words between us. <laughs> they fornicate. I'll say fornicate then. <laughs> after the older woman has donned the mask and scared the younger woman a couple of times, it does seem like she's kind of put her off the idea of running out in the middle of the night to go and meet Harchi. Yeah, for a bit. Yeah, for a bit. But she tries a third time, and the old woman goes out gets caught in the rain and something happens that makes the mask adhere to her face like it did the the samurai. Yeah. Now, I don't know exactly what this is, whether it's supposed to be some sort of curse. There is something in Buddhism where rain is kind of linked to, um, like it's like a symbol of punishment, I read. I don't know very much about it. I'm sorry if I'm getting my information wrong. Again, please do feel free to correct me. Um, don't correct me though. <laughs> But yeah, apparently it's something from the third age of Buddhism where rain is sort of symbolic of some sort of punishment, Mm. which would make sense in this instance. So are we to think the mask is cursed? I think... There's something supernatural going on? I think, again, you can read it any way you want. I think you could could say, yes, the, the mask is supernatural and she's become the demon. She's become the thing that she's been acting kind of thing. Or you could look at it as, okay, it's probably, the rain is probably not actually in reality going to make a mask a dear to your face but i don't know maybe there's some kind of glue on the inside or something i don't don't know (laughs) some sort of rain activated yeah i don't i don't think there's a clear-cut answer and i don't think it matters i think 
you could you could look at it either way i think i think and i guess if we're categorizing this you could look at it as a drama or a horror depending on how you take a lot of these scenes i think it's both i agree i think it's both i think on on the second viewing it's it felt knowing where it was heading it it felt more horror to me did it okay yeah because i knew where it was heading but also you know it's just the horrors of war and the consequences of oh, that i yeah. think that's Obviously, to me that's horrific yeah the circumstances are horrifying um and they certainly don't hold back in showing what people were reduced to but i don't know it's a, but would you call a war film a horror film um it's hard to define yeah typically no typically yeah. no Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they should be considered horror films, just a different bracket of horror. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, so we, we have that fantastic scene where, well, so first, Archie goes back to his house and then there's that really sort of random scene where there's a man in his house mm. eating his food and when Archie startles him, he kills him. The the new guy, the new guy kills Archie. Yeah. So... I was a little bit confused by this, but I had a theory. All right. What's your theory? Well, I wondered if he'd been lying about the woman's son having died and that was him. He'd sort of broken away, found him and maybe like shanked Archie for abandoning him. Mm. I don't know. That's kind of where I was leaning. Okay. First time viewing, I was thinking the son's going to turn up at some point. I had that feeling as well. Archie for being a liar. Yeah. That's where I thought it was heading. Um, I think that that character is credited as the deserter. I don't think okay. that there's necessarily, there's, I don't think there's a name and it doesn't say like woman's son or anything like right, that. Right, okay. But again, you could probably read it any way you want. It could be, you could read it like it's the son coming back. Oh, Harchi, you bastard, you left me. <laughs> or that you would tried be, to kill me. That would be more satisfying to me. He's got a, a, a huge scar going across his face. So then also I thought, well, maybe he was wearing the mask before. Ah. Maybe the samurai that turned up in woman's hut had took the mask off of this guy, or or maybe he came with that guy, or maybe he's just a rando that's turned up. I think. You I could... think him being him being a rando a rando is scarier because the the lawlessness of it, the the kind of spontaneity of that scene makes it more horrifying but i think the more satisfying ending is that it's the woman's son i agree in terms of keeping everything in a nice loop in a nice tight story that would be the most satisfying thing and probably the thing that i would lean towards because that brings me more comfort than if it was a rando Mm -hmm. it does still work because it's just another person that's turning up that they would have killed that they would have taken his stuff his equipment armor and clothing and stuff and sold it to ushi um, old mate in the cave um but you could you could read it any any different way that you want i think and i think that's what makes it such a strong film for me and also the irony as well because they were so fearful of being left alone to fend for themselves but actually they'd been underestimated and used that to their advantage in order to survive yeah. and actually harchi they thought was the protector um and he was taken out really easily yeah he was taken out really easily it's funny because obviously he'd gone through the wars yeah. he describes what, two two battles that he was a part of and mm-hmm. escaped a third something like that so it's kind of uh yeah it's funny how he survived all of that escaped killed a priest killed someone taking a shit did a bit of hunting <laughs> got his end away came back and he was shanked by a stranger in his own tent <laughs> What an it's, arc, man. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a really undignified death. Yeah. But also realistic. Yeah, most 
most deaths are undignified, aren't they? My biggest fear is I'm going to choke on a pine nut. And I think... (laughs) That's your biggest fear? When when I'm choking on that pine nut, I'm going to be thinking, you did this, you idiot. (laughs) And that's kind of... But that's how we go, you know? It's unexpected. And it's always something ridiculous. That's why I never... Your biggest fear... I'm sorry, I'm stuck on this. What? Is choking on a pine nut. Yeah. What sort of nut would you prefer I choked on? <laughs> a pine nuts are tiny. That's kind of embarrassing. Exactly. <laughs> I would be. I'd be dead. Like and... a hazelnut would have a bit more dignity. Yeah, but but that's my point. Is if I choked on a pine nut, I'd be fucking embarrassed. If I was died from that, I don't know. Kill Your me final then. moments would just be oh cringe. I'd be. I'd just think you idiot. <laughs> don't tell anyone. That's why I never go skydiving because I'm convinced that that my parachute will never open. And, and you choke on a pine pl- nut. Plummeting down. down, down <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As I'm plummeting to my death, I'll be thinking, you did this. You, you did this willingly. You jumped out of the plane. You, this is on you, mate. That was a Hollyoaks storyline. That could happen. Was it? Yeah. I don't remember that. About 20 years ago. Yeah. I, I think I was probably watching it 20 years ago. Yeah. It was the, the last time I watched it, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that ending is pretty impressive. Obviously, after Haji dies, we see the young woman go back to the shack. It looks empty, but we know it's not. Um, she lights a fire and then the illumination from the fire just lights the old woman kind of hunched over in the corner. And that's so scary when she kind of yeah. turns around and you just see the Hanya mask. Yeah, it's be- oh. beautifully shot. I thought you was going to say she lights a fart. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> My brain was coming there. That's not the cut of this film I and, saw. And like you with the pine nut, I'm now stuck on that thought. <laughs> but yeah, she very slowly... <laughs> She illuminates the corner of the shack <laughs> by lighting a fart. <laughs> oh, it's in the Freddy Got Figured universe. Yeah, she is very beautifully shot. She does slowly turn around and reveals herself oh, with a mask on. And obviously the young woman thinks, oh, fuck, the demon's in, in our shack. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Um, but she says, no, 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 it's me. It's 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 the old woman. I, it's fine. I was just tricking you the whole time. Don't worry about it. Why does the shack smell of farts? <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't smell of farts though, because if you're burning it, you're burning away the methane. Oh, thus I've, the smell. I've never done it. I wouldn't know. Have you not? No. You never lit a fart. No. All right. I know what we're doing after this. <laughs> Start saving them up. We'll report back. <laughs> we'll do a TikTok. <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about Annie Barber and lighting our farts. That's us all over. Isn't we it? know how to bring the tone down. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously woman's like, shit, the, the mask has stuck to my face. Please help me. I'm sorry that I scared you a bit and I tried <laughs> to terrify you into not having sex with yeah. that person that you were attracted to. Um, please help me. I promise I'll be good. The woman is quite enraged, <laughs> understandably. Yeah. And she, but she agrees to help and mm-hmm. try and take the mask off. And, and she, 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 she tries to take a, the mask off by hammering yeah. her in the face <laughs> her idea of helping <laughs> was to commit grievous bodily harm yeah i was thinking because she tries pulling it off she can't mm. she's hitting her repeatedly over the head and does the mask crack in the end it does and then blood kind of pours from the bottom of the mask down her chin yeah and it's quite haunting yeah and so the mask is removed but yes woman's face but is what cost severely disfigured even worse than original samurai dude yeah, argue. it looks like hamburger meat. Yeah. She looks like a cross between Freddy Krueger and a Fulci zombie. Yeah, I can see that. It's gnarly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's pretty much the end of the film, isn't it? 
Yeah, they they kind of run through the grass. It ends in the grass again with the hole, effectively. With, with the ambiguous ending where where the young woman they is running. They both leap over the hole. And the older woman is chasing her, saying, mm-hmm. no, I'm fine, Like, don't worry about me. And yeah, they both jump, but it's it does it end? It ends on a, a freeze frame of the older woman's face. You and get about three consecutive shots, like a repeated shot of the older woman leaping. Yeah, and then it cuts. Yeah, so we have no idea if she gets over the hole or not. Yeah, so it's 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 ambiguous. It's that um, it's that ending where you you could you could discuss it. You could go, do you think she survived? Do you think she fell in a hole? It kind of doesn't really matter. I don't know if I really have an opinion on that. Would Have you got one? I think... Do you care? I do care. I care deeply. <laughs> um, I think she falls in the hole. I think she's kind of hysterical at that point, and I hate that word because it's a gendered word, but I'm going to use it because I can't think of a better, better one. Um, I think she falls in the hole, and I think she remains stuck in there in purgatory with Lawrence Fox <laughs> yeah. bitching about the LGBTQIA plus yeah. for All right. so you're, eons. You're, you're thinking that she falls in a hole, which would probably fit in the story more, I would say. That that would be her penance and that that would be kind of poetic justice for trying to be a bitch to her daughter-in-law. Yeah, the whole time she's been murdering people. The whole time. And, and chuck, <laughs> the whole time, yeah, and chucking <laughs> people in said hole. And then that's where she ends up. So yeah. I can see that ending, that potential outcome being fitting. But then also, if she if she does make it over the hole... Then the daughter-in-law's probably dead. They're both probably dead either way, right? Because Well, by now, yeah, because it was... Oh. <laughs> How dare 700 you? Years. Actually, the younger actress is not dead. Um, it's funny that you talked about The Ring earlier on, because she was in, I think, like the, maybe the seventh film in The Ring universe. In 2019. There are seven? There are so many. Oh my Lord, I did not know. Yeah. (laughs) There was one where there was a crossover. It was kind of like, you know, Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Except it was the demon or the ghost girl from the ring versus the ghost girl from the grudge. (laughs) And I wish I was joking. This is not true. Google it. This is not true. Google it. Is it really? Google it. Oh God. (laughs) How is that even... They're, what they're doing a big fight on each other? I haven't seen working? it. All right, well, coming I... next week. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but well, that, that means I've got to watch five other Ring movies to get well, up to that point. Someone's got to do it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, ultimately, I don't think it matters whether or not she survives. For me, anyway, I think the story and the film, everything that's led up to that point, is enough of an encapsulation of I think the themes and the ideas that the director is trying to convey to us. Yeah. So. What were your favourite parts of this film? Because it seems like you really enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. Which I'm going to say, I'm kind of surprised by. Me too. I, uh, When that jazz came on at the start, (laughs) I was just sitting there wondering what I was doing with my life. What did you think of the rest of the score? Like the sort of... Loved it. (laughs) Loved it. Every time it came on, I was like, yeah. Doing like a little Jeremy dance from Peep Show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but favorite favorite parts, favorite scenes. Yeah, what did you I, like most about uh, it? For me, my favorite part was trying to get the mask off. That that okay. scene was very long. It was. It felt like there was a lot of pain involved. It with felt that torturous, scene. drawn out. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for me, because that scene was done so well, and it with the whole mask stuff really clued me into what this movie was. Mm-hmm. I think that's my favorite part of the movie quite like hands down really okay have you what have you got some favorite 
scenes or um i i don't know about favorite scenes obviously the the iconic kind of um hanya mask yeah emerging from the long grass but the yeah. long grass itself i think the the setting was so unique i mean the whole film is super unique i don't i couldn't tell you another film i've seen quite like this one mm. but the the setting kind of blew me away really because it's so I don't know how to describe it really. It's it's unlike anything else I've seen, um, except for maybe in the tall grass, which sucked. Is Thomas Jane in that? No. Okay. Patrick Wilson. Right. I, think I, it was I get them by confused. Stephen sometimes. King's son. It wasn't very good. Um, Is the picture a bloke with a that big L-shaped knife thing, uh, like the a thing scythe. that Death's got? Yeah. Isn't that Children of the Corn? Maybe. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm different. Different me. sort of. Uh... <laughs> harvest yeah <laughs> um no i don't know i don't know i just i just thought that was so unique because it's sort of it's really hard to describe or to define because you get this sense of vastness but also claustrophobia at the same time yeah it's really interesting to me that something can create both of those feelings in tandem yeah that's fair. I'd never thought about it that way before. When you see sort of tall grass scenes. It just like, goes on forever. Yeah. I, I'm thinking for some reason of Jurassic Park 2. <laughs> when, um, <laughs> when the, is it the, the little, the, the raptors are running through and you sort of yeah. see the, the grass shaking a bit, which is not a great movie, but a brilliant scene. Yeah. Iconic. And I never thought of the grass that way before, sort of signifying the vastness and the also the isolation or the, mm. the, the what's that word you said claustrophobia. Claustrophobia. Yeah. <laughs> claustrophobia of that kind of setting yeah fascinating but yeah also i said that the final act the final few scenes were some of my favorites but i, I do agree with you if there's one image it's when she's stepping in and out of the grass i was i'd seen those images before watching the film and i sp- I'll be honest, I spent most of the film waiting for that. But when it happened, I was not disappointed. Okay. See, I had no idea that these images okay. would come in because when you picked it for the... I think something else was in this. It in place was. Of we'll talk first. about that in the rap show. Will we? Yeah. Okay. Um, but then just before we confirmed the schedule, you changed it to Anibaba. I was impulsive. Sue yeah. me. <laughs> so I was familiar with the cover of it. Right. But I wasn't necessarily... Um, anticipating a mask yeah. or anything like that you didn't know anything about the contents of the film i knew absolutely nothing about okay. this do you think that was the best way to go in i think so yeah i think generally with any movie that's the best way to go in mm-hmm. but yeah more so here definitely just just enjoy it first time it does repeat it does reward repeat viewings i think okay because you know where it's going and you pick up more there's still stuff that i've missed apparently according to our conversation today <laughs> so i will go back and watch it again very very surprised that i did enjoy this as much as i did yeah me too i think i'll be honest um you might have enjoyed this more than me i think i think so i think so i did like it yeah um i think because of the caliber of people that spoke so highly of it i mean william friedkin listed it as one of the scariest films he'd ever seen i read somewhere that i don't know if this is hypocritical or not but uh, (laughs) i I read somewhere that he used the hanya mask as inspiration for for the demon cutaway scenes in i read that as well um that that would make sense Mm. to me yeah so i mean it's got such a good solid reputation so i don't know if my expectations were a little bit too high maybe perhaps i I can understand how you they would be high yeah if you're familiar with it and people that you highly respect love it 
and also you're a big horror fan. Well, this is so, the other problem. I think it's the it's not just what people say about it. I think it's the way they talk about it and the way they frame it because it's always talked about in terms of how scary it is. And it's really difficult not to immediately associate that with the horror genre. Yeah. So I think I was expecting something... Um, something terrifying. Yeah. And it it's... It's a different beast than that. I would say yeah. it's it's less, there's no jump scares, there's none of that cheap shit, but it does get under your skin, mm. definitely. I've I've been thinking about it all week, which is, to my mind, the, the mark of a good film. Yeah. But I don't know, am I in a massive rush to watch it again? Not for a while. I Because I put it on today, yeah. second time, and the first time, I for me... It kind of flew by the first time. I remember yeah. pausing it and it's, we stopped it like an hour and 10 or something because I needed to go to the loo. And I'm just thinking, blimey, that's gone really quickly. And Which it, is surprising because not a huge amount happens in the first two acts. No. It's most about mostly about character more than anything. Yeah. Um, and then the second time it went by really quickly as well. The second time, granted, I was taking a lot more notes and Googling things and trying to do a lot more research. But again, that flew by as well. And I would be happy to sit down and watch it a third time. I think for me, because it maybe is categorized as a horror, and I would categorize it as a horror if I had okay. to, um, but it, I think what you said earlier, it does have more in common with a drama, a lot of melodramatic moments in this. So you could sort of read it either way. Mm. And I was wondering, because of the it's cat, sort of categorized as a horror, but it, not really if that was anything to do with your enjoyment, if that would affect your enjoyment of the film or not. Like, are yeah. you wanting there to be to be more sort of demon boogeyman stuff with the moon punching someone in the face or something? <laughs> I don't know. I, look, I don't want to downplay it. I think this is a really, really excellent film. Mm. I think it's tremendously well made. I think it's beautifully shot and framed. I think the acting is really good. Um, influential the, yeah hugely influential like I'm a, I'm a little bit more well versed in Japanese movies than you are but way more well versed than I but am. when I say in Japanese movies I do kind of mean Japanese horror, horror. movies yeah, of course. <laughs> maybe a couple of action but yeah I just it wasn't until I would say probably the 90s when Japanese movies kind of had a bit of a boon over here. Mm. But I think that sort of stands to reason because, I mean, this film in particular, I don't think was um, cleared by the BBFC until 1968. Right. And then after that, I had very limited screenings. I read about some screenings in the 70s. But but those sorts of films weren't exported as much. They were just harder to get hold of. Yeah. Whereas now, everything's on streaming. We have access to everything. Yeah. So I think it stands to reason that they're doing better over here now yeah i think i wasn't really paying any attention to japanese cinema oh f firstly we grew up in the 80s and 90s where we mm -hmm. didn't have the internet so it was really hard to find stuff out but it wasn't until movies like ring and the grudge started mm -hmm. coming out or specifically the americanized remakes of those <laughs> yeah. started coming out that i became aware of them and yeah i didn't really have much experience of them but it's funny because the tagline for Onibaba is the most daring film import ever from Japan. <laughs> That's the tagline. Exclamation point. That's <laughs> the tagline reads like a YouTube title. Yeah. If, if this was a YouTube video, the title would just be all caps. Prank gone wrong. <laughs> in brackets. Mother-in-law plays prank on daughter and lives to regret it. From Japan. Three exclamation points. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we watched it. Yeah, I'm glad too. we watched it. But to tie it back to folklore, 
obviously we know that folklore or, well, parables particularly have a message. So what do you think the moral of this is? Don't murder people and put them in a hole. Okay. Just don't murder people. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean... <laughs> don't be naughty. Um, like yeah. all parables, like all or folklores. Maybe it's like that thing that our parents would always say to us as kids, like, if you keep pulling that face and the wind changes, you'll stay like that. Yeah. That's that's actually a good one, isn't it? Because what we were saying earlier about becoming the thing that you're pretending to be. Yeah. Yeah, just... I don't know. All folklores are kind of... They all have that message, that moral message of do this thing or don't do this thing. It's usually out of a place of fear, mm. um, which is, again, why it works here because the older woman is using fear as a weapon. Yeah. Um, fear of the occult, fear of demons, whatever, religion, name your poison. Fear of kind of judgment by a higher power as well, yeah. Yeah, but I guess that that's what makes it feel sort of modern still as well because yeah. it, it's still the media, you know, things going on around the world, shut up, be afraid. This, you know, fear is the big controller. Like now more than ever, I would say. It's so prevalent. I It's, it's kind of e a lot easier to influence more people at the same time now. Yeah, and it's more insidious than it's ever been with like targeted advertising. And yeah you know the algorithms learning exactly what to put in front of you to sway you a certain way yeah so um before we wrap up the show then we, we touched earlier on remakes of japanese cinema and mm -hmm. i'm amazed this hasn't had one if there was this was going to be rebooted today i mm -hmm. think there's only really one director that you would employ to make the reboot right i is there is I, it the person you've already mentioned yes Eggers. Yeah. Eggers. Eggers. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's got to be Robert Eggers for the remake or Bong Joon-ho. Ooh. Just, ooh, just because okay. of the, the kind of the parasite thing that's going on, the different points of view and ooh. and that sort of things. But yeah, I, I'm leaning towards Eggers and I would probably watch every Eggers movie that's made. Eggers. I don't, Eggers. I don't love all of his movies. I think the the Vivich is his strongest Stop movie. Stop it's the witch. Just say the witch like a normal person. <laughs> Which we covered in episode one of our folklore season. Mm -hmm. Go back and uh, check that episode out. But I wasn't a huge fan of The Lighthouse, which this movie can be compared to quite a lot. It's black and white. <laughs> it's black and white. There were two main characters. Yeah. You could argue there's somewhat of a descent into madness through yep. isolation. I think there's a lot of... I think... I do feel like Eggers watched this movie before he made The Lighthouse. It would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's got to be him for, for a reboot. Okay. Yeah. I'd buy that for a dollar. What are we doing next week? Yeah. So next week we are covering Nia DaCosta's 2021 interpretation of Candyman. Hell. Yes, we are. I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. 